called the thus because of the first word of this parsha, which means and Yaakov lived in the land of Egypt seventeen years. And the Zohar here, strange Zohar, but it includes because it says by he Yaakov edits Mitzrayim. It says. Of course, it says that he lived here in uh, Egypt to tell us that uh, something was unusual, that he lived. In other words, based on, on, on uh, our previous explanations of the Zohar and the Torah, you can live, and then there are those that we consider as just having existed. You can be alive, it doesn't mean you're living, you're just existing. So when it says here, by he, understanding the Zohar, that by he means that he really lived. Lived. Now what does that mean that he lived? By he, Yaakov, that is Mitzrayim, Amr Abiyosti, Nibachama Benibua. Strange. He saw. He saw. His heart, that is, saw in the Ruach prophecy in Egypt. What did he see? Diem binoi bekamagaluim adhacha, bad edna beketz mishicha. And he saw that his uh, children, his children here he saw it in Egypt, like as if he didn't see it before, but here in Egypt he saw that his children would uh, live through many many uh, exiles until the present time which would be the end of Mashiach. Where did this prophecy uh, originate or where did it arise from? Says the Zohar. Only in Egypt. Only in Egypt. Not only did he for the first time connect with prophecy, meaning to see the entire future. We have to understand that we're talking about Yaakov, and Yaakov already by this time is referred to as Yisrael, and once you refer to Yaakov as Yisrael, you're referring to now to an individual who had achieved the upper triad. That is, was his place. The upper triad, to be in the place of Tiferet, which is above Obviously, above the level of uh, Esadat, the level of uh, good and evil, he already has uh, was elevated to a point where there is only Esachayim, where there is no time, space, emotion as we know it, where all of the illusions that exist at this level of Esadat, the tree of knowledge, reality, does not exist. And now, and now, he achieves another another uh, level of consciousness referred to as uh, Nivuah, prophecy. Although we know that prophecy, although the, we know that prophecy is uh, is a Netzachot, is just to give us an idea 
of where this consciousness of the Nebuah, in other words, if someone achieves Netzach and uh, Hod, this, these levels of consciousness, which of course exist in the lower triad of the uh, Star of David, in the lower triad, once uh, an individual had achieved that level of consciousness, then he, um, he, he has achieved Nebuah. But we understand that Yaakov was not in the, not in the lower triad, but he had already, he had already elevated himself to the level of consciousness in the upper uh, regions. So we have to understand what does, why does the Zohar, uh, explain that when it says by he, and this is the word that he's, uh, as he will explain shortly, indicating when it says that Yaakov lived, it's not merely to tell us that he lived there or, rather than, uh, although we say we lived there, but usually the proper word would be, uh, and he uh, he lived there. But lived there, in Hebrew, is not by he. Although in English, you, you say, well, uh, where do you live? But in Hebrew, there's a, a very specific word, because if you're referring to a uh, domicile, where's your home? Anigar. There's another word. And in the Torah, too, there's another word for where do you live, meaning referring to uh, uh, a domicile, a place uh, of the habitat where you sleep, you eat, etc. And the reason that in Hebrew there's a distinction, again, as we mentioned previously, because you can live, you can you can uh, you can uh, live, meaning uh, I I live in that house. It doesn't mean vayachi. It doesn't mean that you're uh, you're really alive. You you could be just existing at that address. And therefore there are different words. And therefore in Hebrew he says, Eifatagar, where do you where do you live? Well in English I have I translated it as such. But actually the word is where is your domicile? You don't even use the word live because living is not necessarily associated with a domicile. You can be you can exist in hell uh, you know, in a prison of uh, four walls and not and not have bars. So from that, the Zohar understands that when it says by Yaakov, it is referring to this elevation to Nevoah, of Ati. And where did it take place? Be'eres Mitzrayim. And he Nevoah Chashuva. And he says, and says the Zohar, that he Nevoah Ma'ayata, it is of such a high state, Chashuv, lo it naviu de Kavateh. But nowhere else, not even in Israel, not even in Israel, did Jacob achieve this level of prophecy. What does that mean, prophecy? Prophecy means you can see tomorrow. Time, space, and motions not does not is not considered a limitation for the individual. It's all here, as scientists say: yesterday, tomorrow, the present are all presently existing at the same time. But Yaakov already had achieved Etzachayim, where we know the difference between Etzachayim and Etzadat, where one has achieved uh, prophecy, is that prophecy is momentarily. In other words, he sees it today. But tomorrow, he know if he's, if he's not in the level of the upper triad, where time, space, and motion ceases to exist, uh, completely, as as the Shabbat we we achieved in our lives that that connection of of Eitzadat, being connected 
with Eitzachayim. Losing. Not on our conscious level, because the minute I say, well, so what should I buy today in the stock market? Since on Shabbat, we had already achieved the Eitzachayim level. So now, I, why can't I know what's going up? Because the minute you know what's going up, and it becomes part of your consciousness, then where are you? You're back in Eitzadah. <coughs> because it is only the non-conscious, the non-conscious, the 94% of us, that when that is directing our movements, and you say, well, what should I do now? I don't know what to do now. And then the thought comes to you, do this, do that, do this, do that. And you don't, you don't know where the thought came from, and then you go ahead robotically and do what you have to do, then you know it's right. But, if the thought comes and now you say, well, I want to know what tomorrow is about. When the thought in the Netzachayim level comes and tells you what to do tomorrow, it must come without prior thought. Without thinking, well, I know the stock market is open today and I will buy some stocks that... Of course, we go up because in the Eitzachayim level, we know that there is no, there is no uh, instability, no uncertainty, and so on. We have materialized that into the Etzadat consciousness. We have materialized that into a consciousness. Anything that becomes materialized, materialized in my consciousness, is no longer part of Eitzachayim. So, the level of Nebuah, the level of Nebuah, prophecy, exists only in a Sadat because at that moment, at that moment, like here, says the Zohar, Yaakov achieved Nebuah more so than any of the prophecy he might have achieved in Israel, as he lived in Israel. Because this was Egypt. And we'll shortly understand why, but because he lived in Egypt, when it says by he Yaakov, and he lived, meaning he became connected from time to time, in this case, in this beginning of this week's section, he became connected to that realm. That realm of Eitzadat became connected at that moment. Mind you, Eitzadat, there are times, like yes, like on Shabbat, we brought our Eitzadat into the reality of Eitzachayim, into Eitzachayim. At this moment, when he came to Egypt, he also made that connection. And therefore, time, space, and motion no longer existed, and therefore, he achieved prophecy. But, adds the Zohar, but a prophecy that far exceeded, far exceeded in, in excellence to any other of the prophecies that when he had, uh, on previous occasions, spoken to God himself, spoken to God himself, Meaning he had achieved prophecy. He had elevated himself to a, a space, to a consciousness that was not limited to the factor of time. Yesterday, today, and, and tomorrow. This kind of prophecy he never had achieved before. Below shum inish elohu umoshe. Not only not only had he never achieved this level of prophecy anywhere else, but that the prophecy we are discussing, 
the prophecy we are discussing was not achieved by any other person, any other prophet mentioned throughout scriptures other than he and Moses, says the Zohar. Tiv ki lo yirani ha'adam v'chai b'yakov k'tiv v'chi yakov. There it says, when Moses says, I want to see God face to face, and says, no, uh, anyone looking at, at, at the uh, light force face to face, without any insulation, without any masak, without any curtain, so on, cannot live. It just, in, in this corporeal body, what he said Moses would die if he looked at God face to face, what he was actually referring to was that this, this physical body would have to necessarily disintegrate. It could not coexist with a direct contact with the light force. And therefore, the light force as uh, electricity, uh, the bulb, you cannot connect uh, uh, directly to uh, to uh, to the light force. It comes in in an insulated capsule, wiring, insulation, and so on, for the simple reason that uh, that direct contact with any raw naked energy cannot coexist on this level where we where we uh, where we find ourselves. All right. So this nevuah that we're talking about now, this prophecy that he shortly is going to describe for us, no one had achieved that level of understanding other than Moses, because it says by Moses the word chai, and it says by he Yaakov, and by he nevuata denasa me aspaklaria denahara. And this kind of uh, nevuah, which emanates from the uh, uh, light that shines as opposed to this world which has no light of its own it does not shine like the moon the moon can act as a channel for the light but it by and within itself does not contain light like the sun the sun has brilliance of its own it is not dependent upon another celestial body to shine upon it and we will achieve, we can, we can nourish the, the, uh, the reflection. Actually, when we look at the moon, we're not looking at the light of the moon. What we're looking at, when we look at the moon, is a reflection of the sun shining on the moon, and it bounces off, and what we see when we look at the moon is the reflection of, of the sun. That's called aspaklaria, a ray, a ray of light that does not shine. That does not shine by and within itself. But where did his prophecy come from? From Aspaklaria de Nahara. It came from a place like the sun, which shines by and within itself. What is what is the difference? The difference is obvious. Like when the sun shines in a mirror or onto a glass, and we receive uh, or, or where hit it bounces off. And we we can uh, observe the the uh, reflection. Reflection obviously is not as strong. It's not as illuminating as direct light. The sun is direct light. Therefore, we are incapable because we are <coughs> incapable of of connecting with direct light. But Moses and in this case Yaakov were capable. Were capable of of uh, connecting directly to the to the level of Zerampin as we know it, 
meaning level of of a, of a consciousness that does not receive indirect indirect consciousness, indirect thoughts, indirect information, but direct. And obviously that is on, of a uh, much higher level of consciousness. This is what this is what the uh, how the Zohar explains the idea by Chiyako Be'eris Besai. And uh, Rabbi Asha goes on to a uh, large, uh, uh, to a lengthy discourse on the differences, which I discussed for you briefly, the differences between Nevoah in general, prophecy in general, and uh, the prophecy that's taking place here in Egypt. Now, why? Why in this in in this area called called Egypt, which uh, the uh, Zohar continues uh, go, uh, continues to explain why why in this particular area did they did uh, not only uh, Jacob but Moses Moses lived in Egypt as well. And this is where he made his direct contact with God. Meaning, when he spoke to God, meaning he had achieved a level of consciousness where he was in a position to to uh, tap, draw access into the direct light of God without fear of a burnout. Only in Egypt. Only in Egypt. Says the, says the Zohar, as Rabbi Ashlag explains it at length here, Egypt, within Egypt, was included, as you said before, all of the following future exiles that the world would undergo. Because as we know, when, when the Jewish people undergo an exile, it is not the Jewish people who are being punished, but it is the entire world that also suffers the the uh, diminution or the absence of the light the light of uh, of uh, God or the light force is not pervading this universe and consequently when there's no light there is darkness and when there is darkness then darkness consists of fragmentation and all of the all of the difficulties and all of the chaos that all of us experience almost daily all of these exiles originated in Egypt. All of these exiles originated in Egypt. What does that mean, all of the exiles? All of the future exiles that would ever occur, including, says the Zohar, this last one, the last one that we live in, was already included. Well, we understand today the DNA, seed levels, etc., that when we speak of seed, we understand that all future manifestations are on a potential level already included in the seed. And the place of darkness, the place of darkness, which means that this is the place where the dark lord or chaos reigns, has dominion. Consequently, when Yaakov 
when Yaakov and Moses achieved the kind of prophecy that was not for the moment and gone later. But he had made this connection because he was in that elevated position of Nebuah. Because he was not in Netzach and Hod, as I said before. He is not in the lower, the lower triad, but rather in the upper triad. Consequently, his Nebuah, his prophecy, was not one of a limited nature. Meaning, I can see up until tomorrow. I can see until next week. Although that is also constituted as prophecy. But it is a prophecy also with a limitation. Now, how far does this prophecy go? Daniel, <coughs> Yecheskel, all had prophecy. But the prophecy was for a specific incident, a specific event. That's as far as they could say. Could they see everything from beginning to the end? No. They could not see from beginning to the end. They were permitted. They were given. They were given. And at times they also worked to achieve this consciousness. The opportunity to connect to Netzach and Hod, where there is prophecies of a limited nature. When Jacob and Moses connected with the Etzachayim, this upper triad, because Moses, who was Netzach, who was Netzach, again in the lower triad, ultimately went up when he left the realm of Malchut, when he left his wife and children, if you recall in Exodus, in Shemot, when God calls upon Moses now to be completely devoted to the service of God, as, as the translators uh, translated, but which means he left the realm of Malchut. I mean, that was pretty cruel for God to say, you know, leave over your wife and children. Now you're only going to be in the service of God. What about his wife? It says he sent them away. Did he really send them away? Of course not. Didn't send them away. Then what does it mean? He left them and now became completely involved in the service of God. The idea was that now, Moses, you are connected to the realm of Eitzachayim. And he became Dat. Dat is the connection between the Gar, the upper three regions of Ketachachm and Mina. Therefore, no one had achieved this level of consciousness as Moses. Whereas Chesed Gurit Defedit of the, um, of the upper triad, Chesed Gurit Defedit, which is Avram, Yisrael, and Yaakov, in that upper triad, Moses, who was Netzach on one level of existence, now moved into the area of Dat, the connection between the triad of Gar. Huh. Huh. Okay, yeah, that's what I did just for those who are not that familiar. <coughs> All right. We have here Ketachach Bina, and here we have Da. He became, he became the intermediary, Moses. Became the intermediary between Chesed, Vor, and Tiferet. This is the realm of Etzachayim, where the uh, snake, where illusion, chaos has has no has no access here, which is also part of Etzachayim. However, 
we by we. This area remains as part of Etzachayim. However, in this area, the snake, as we call Satan, can access into only through our, our, our actions. In other words, if we, if we create a negative action, because we have this power, we have this power of connection to any of these realms beside Da, beside Da. There are times even though we can achieve Chesed into Chesed Gvur on certain holidays. But here, during the week, with, when we pray the Shachrit, we pray the Shachrit, we are elevated into Netzach and Hod by the prayer, uh, by the evening, uh, the morning prayer. But through some negative activity by man, then we, we kind of drag with us the snake, the satan, into this area of consciousness. But in this area of consciousness, satan, that seed, that composite of chaos, cannot reach here. Now, there you have a constant flow of energy. And uh, without initiating, that, that's constant. And that brings, makes the connection between that level and this level. So, he also achieved, he also achieved, outside of Israel, not in Israel, but outside of Israel, Moses also achieved a connection with the, uh, with this level, which never, is never subject to the influence of Satan. Never subject to the influence of Satan. So, when we discuss this particular, uh, the Vuah, this particular prophecy, the reason why the Zohar says, as explained by Rabbi Asad, why, why is this Nevuah considered to be so superior to the, to the normal Nevuah, to the normal prophecy that Yaakov, when he was in, in, uh, in Israel, also connected to prophecy, also could foresee the future. But that was a connection of Nesachat Hod. Only in Egypt, only in Egypt, could he achieve the connection here to Chesed Vura and Tiferet, to the prophecy, where there the, the, the element of prophecy was not of a limited nature, meaning only so much can you see of the future. Period. That's all. In this beginning here, Yaakov saw from beginning to end. From beginning to end, so did Moses. So did Moses. When he achieved, when he achieved an, an, an elevation to dot, the connection between Ketachachmabina and, and the lower levels of consciousness, he too could see from beginning to end, as opposed to the other prophets like Ezekiel, Joshua, and uh, Daniel, who had limited vision. Limited vision, again, it was prophecy. It was of a nature going beyond the limitation of, of uh, space, time, and motion, but nevertheless limited in its aspect as to the scope that it would encompass. Like the circles we have, one circle into another, into another, <coughs> into another. There is a quantum definition here, but the quantum 
the quantum element was limited. That's what Netzach and Hoda are about. And why did it take place? Why did it take place in uh, Egypt as opposed to Israel? Although this is what the Zohar says, but he does not go on to, he do, only goes on to say is because, and this is his explanation, but beyond that there, there isn't any more that the Zohar adds as to why in this area of, of Egypt did he, did he achieve this kind of awareness. Because Egypt contained the seed of all future chaos that would ever make its appearance in the world of Eitzadat as we know it. All forms of chaos, all, all games that Satan would ultimately play with us, all of these future events of chaos, of disorder, that would come into our lives last year, this year, and next year, were all already included <coughs> And in a seed level in Egypt. What we learn, what is apparent, when, when the Zohar connects us to the idea that what was Egypt about? Was it just a, a, a geographical place where the Jews would be in exile, says the Zohar. No, it goes beyond that. It is a totality of all negative chaotic consciousness that would ever make its appearance anywhere else in, uh, on this globe. Anywhere. And this is where the Nebuah of Jacob and Moses would have to make its appearance. It could not make it in, in, uh, in the land of Israel. The well, land of Israel, we learn, is, is one of the energy centers, one of the places, one of the seven places in, in this globe where the light force is capable of, of, of being confined. The light force is capable of, of being harnessed to the extent that we can make use of it. That, that was the temple in Israel. Temple could materialize, corporealize the light force, all the light forces of a dimension which is beyond, which is beyond the physical reality as we know it. But it's the same as a soul. How does a soul become materialized? Through the blood and whatever else we learn in the classes. It doesn't really become materialized, but its expression, its expression, not it by and within itself, the soul is never, nor does it ever acquire a material aspect to itself, but rather, within this body, it finds an, uh, an affiliation and an affinity with blood, as explained in the classes, and consequently, blood which is of a corporeal nature, now can find this common denominator, blood, which both of them can connect to, like the soul cannot connect to this physical body. 
but it can to make its connection and and create an affinity with with the, the blood of the individual of the human being and thereby and thereby the body which also finds an affinity with the blood so they both have something in common and consequently there can be communication between the two but when it says here that Jacob had had achieved as we will shortly learn had achieved a level of nebuah of prophecy that he could not could not achieve but the information as to how long the the uh, exiles will uh, will extend how many when etc why couldn't he have this prophecy in Israel since he was connected to the level of Etzachayim where there was no time space and motion feature why couldn't he make the connection the answer is that we're not discussing knowing the future Because the Zohar and we, when we when we devote some time to it, can know the future too. All we have to do is analyze, explore, examine past history. Shouldn't that be the best teacher for the future? Why will things change? Have you ever seen a seed plant the seed? This year, a plant the seed fifty years from today. Do you expect, if it's an apple seed, that a tree that will emerge 50 years later by a planting of a seed will emerge any different than the seed I planted today? History repeats itself. We hear these kind of expressions, pay no attention. But based on, on past performance, is there any reason why tomorrow will be any different? The answer is no. The answer is no. They may come in different uh, uh, different faces, and we come back from over and over and over again. What changes? Not the essence of the soul. Soul does not undergo any corporeality. It does not go under undergo a materialism. It makes its connections, but it by and within itself, nothing undergoes changes. Nothing at all. Well, one day uh, uh, the uh, a place can undergo a, an earthquake somewhere and may never recover from that earthquake. I mean, so you see something happen in the future that could not could not have been relied upon or could not have been ascertained from previous from previous uh, experiences? And the answer is no. No place will undergo a devastation, an ultimate devastation, let's say of an earthquake, unless there were prior earthquakes, which did not devastate the place. And therefore, my Kasper Shalom, they say here about Los Angeles, the big one will come. Everyone knows the big one's going to come. The only question is when. So it's already known. How come we're all hanging out here? I mean, is that logic? Is that logic? No. We don't move. Very few people, and if anyone has moved out of California and the mass exodus 
out of California today is not because of the fear of an earthquake, but the fear of uh, the economic uh, downturn, that they may not have uh, a place where they can support their families or themselves. Everything is known. Nothing new under the sun, said King Solomon. But what it seems, what the Zohar is expressing at this point here, is by Yaakov that in Egypt he also lived. What does it mean he lived? He had Nebuah. So what? Sometimes we may dream of a future event, but the problem might still be, what can I do about it? So now I know what's going to happen tomorrow. What will we do about it? What can we do about it? Changing events, if they can be changed. And so therefore, this parsha of Vaichi, and it begins off by Vaichi, is not merely, as it would be indicated shortly in the few verses that we're going to read, as Yaakov, it says, gathered, and the days of, uh, of Israel uh, drew close to, uh, die, to his death, and he called his son Yosef and said he didn't want to be buried in Egypt. And a few verses later, he tells everyone that I want to reveal to you all that will take place in the future. And on that basis, he goes on to bless his children. And we'll shortly come to that verse where where he doesn't tell them anything. Doesn't tell them anything. What Vahi means, just from our, our, our present discussion of, of this Pasha, that he wants to provide for us the means for living. Prophecy. Having prophecy does not necessarily mean now that we are in a better position. You know, we may have prophecy of a limited nature to know what we should be doing tomorrow. What about the unforeseen circumstances that we may not have access? Remember we said that prophecy can provide us with some information in that second hold, but it is of a limited nature. Now, whether an individual who sees how well his fortunes can be made may suffer a heart attack before this whole, this whole, uh, uh, future of, of financial security begins, but he suffers a heart attack, and then what's the good of it all? God. Or he suffers another illness, or another, another setback, aside from financial security. Of what? Was that living? The answer is no. What this Pasha, the entire Pasha, and that's why it's the last Pasha, it's Malchut. It's Malchut. It is the accumulation of all of the energies that week by week have been, have been captured, expressed, made use of. Now they all come together in Malchut as you learn in Kabbalah. And therefore, we should also understand that there are 85 verses. 85 meaning pei hei, which is peh. Why are there 85? Peh, the mouth, expression. 
Now we know, we know here in Kabbalah, one day all synagogues around the world will will take notice of of why we come to a synagogue to to hear the reading of the uh, of the Pasha is because this Pasha was designated by the sages to provide us with a clue that here, by our mouths, by our mouths, we can retain a control over future events. When we ask, when we raise the question, why did Yaakov and Moses receive Nebuah here in Egypt? Why couldn't we receive the same Nebuah in, in, uh, in Israel? Where there, where the levels of consciousness of a much, much higher level and nature. The answer is, knowing what the future events will be and controlling future events can be two different aspects of the same idea. What <coughs> Yaakov <coughs> understood, as well as Moses, that if you want to control all future events, you must deal, you must deal with chaos. You must deal with Malchut. The mouth also represents Malchut. The head. You have the five spherot, the which is the brain, the eyes, which is kachma, the ears, which is bina, the nose, which is erampin. The mouth represents represents the level of consciousness of Malchut, our material world. The culmination, the realization, the materialization, all exist in Malchut. What Jacob was providing for us here in this section throughout throughout this this Pasha of Aichi is not only is it sufficient to know what the future will be, but the control of the, over those events that will be will be coming forth. Now the events of chaos and I know that tomorrow like uh, Isaiah and Jeremiah all predicted that the end of the temple was drawing close pleading with the people to change their ways so that the destruction of the temple will not be an event that we have to celebrate on Tisha B'Av. But they didn't listen. But what those prophets were providing for at that moment in time was the possibility by which the Jews could prevent, could prevent the destruction. It was even Jeremiah who pleaded on behalf of the Jews and said, uh, what can we do? What can we do at this last moment? The armies of Rome have surrounded the city of Jerusalem. What can we do at this last moment? At this last moment, says says the prophet, says the uh, in prophets of Jeremiah, God says, tell the Jews to free their slaves. Tell the Jews to free their slaves. And that will prevent the onslaught of the Romans. Well, when you have the noose around your neck, even a Jew conforms to the rules, right? And immediately they all release their slaves. Every one of them. And lo and behold, a miracle happened. 
And suddenly Egypt, so says scriptures, Egypt suddenly decided to come and fight and consequently take over Jerusalem themselves against the Roman legions. And so the Roman general took all of the legions that he had surrounding the city of Jerusalem, left the city of Jerusalem, left the city of Jerusalem, and went and did battle with Egypt. That was truly a miracle. Again, Jeremiah at that given moment foresaw the destruction, but at the same time being a prophet, he also was, he received this entitlement on how to, to overcome a future event. Jeremiah only dealt with that particular event. But what happened soon is the hordes of the Roman legions left Jerusalem. What happened? You all know what happened. What was the next thing the Jews did? Huh? Claim back the uh, slaves for themselves again. Since it was all over with, right? Since the miracle had already taken place, immediately, says, the, says Jeremiah, in Jeremiah, immediately the Jews took back, took back the slaves. And it didn't take too long for the Roman legions to overpower the Egyptian armies and they returned to destroy the city. That is prophecy. And the prophets were not there merely to spell out the doom, the but what they could do about it. And so in this Pasha, not only, not only did Jacob receive the prophecy of all of the future exiles that would take place, but what could be done about it? At when, if, when and if these exiles were not prevented from taking its proper course, which the Jew can do, he's been given that composite of consciousness. That's what a Jew means. Doesn't mean he's someone of a, of an elevated stature. Doesn't mean that he can never sin. Maybe possibly sin to a degree far worse than one of, of a lesser consciousness. The non-Jew. Non-Jew referring to someone who does not have, who is not imbued with that level of consciousness that can relate to the light force of God. And so by he, according to the Zohar, was the opportunity that the Jews were receiving in the world of Malchut to deal with every exile that ultimately would make its appearance. Now, is it only talking about where in the last exile? It's talking about by he. By he. That when we read this Pasha, we're given again the opportunity, and that opportunity comes every year, if we're aware of it. That all future events in this level of existence, where we exist, where future events can even be foretold. Someone who has a cancer, malignant cancer, cut it out. Is it certain that it will not reoccur? Of course not. And yet here we learn how we can eliminate it's a dot. 
But that would be a miracle. That would not be a miracle. Miracles only exist on this level where we have no control over Eitzadat. But God did not create misfortune. Misfortune should be, should be the rare occasion. Because the Eitzadat never undergoes changes. The only changes that we can observe is in the physical reality. A person is born as a young man, young woman, and then we gradually get older. Where is that? What gets older? The soul? We celebrate the soul's birthday each year? No, we celebrate the body's birthday each year. The soul does not undergo any changes. So that realm of, of, of consistency exists and coexists together with this physical body. But because we do not, or we have not, achieved that level of consciousness, whereby we're constantly never failing to, to be in touch with Etzachayim, is where we undergo these future events. But that, but that chaos can be washed out in a moment. In a moment. Is the rare, is the rarity of, of our civilization. But then you look around, you say, what are you talking about? There is more illness confined to people than, uh, than healthy people. Everyone ultimately, everyone ultimately winds up to fall into the realm of, uh, of etzadat. Illness, sickness, financial insecurity, etc. So therefore, the prophecies here of Yaakov and Moshe dealt with the realm of, of Etzadat. Only in that realm can we make changes. If we, if the Tzaddik maintains that level of Etzadat, Etzachayim, and never, and never, that's why they say about Hasidim, that's why they say Moses. Look, look what Moses contended with. Look what Jacob contended with. Selling of his, of his son, fleeing from Esau. I mean, his life was not one that we might say uh, of, uh, of contentment and serenity. No. Always on the go. Always facing, facing the problems. Why was he going, undergoing those for our benefit? Because each time, each time we read an incident whereby he overcame he overcame the problems of Eitzadat. That is our clue and our opportunity to achieve, to achieve the overtaking of what we see, unfortunately, most around us is chaos and havoc. So here we have the opportunities of all future events, of all future events, to be in a position of overcoming Whatever, whatever insecurities and uncertainties will be in the future. That's why the, the this nevuah took place in Egypt, not because he didn't achieve this prophecy in Israel, or they couldn't achieve this prophecy. And of course, they could. But to overcome is what this pasha is talking about. <laughs> to master, to have dominion over the world of Eitzadat with all of its chaos and havoc. 
then you've got to deal with it. That's why both of them, both uh, Yaakov and both Moses, Moses also fled, fled Pharaoh, came back, and then of course his, his 40 worst years were the years that he dealt as leader of the Jewish people. All he, all he had from them was only constant troubles. But only in that realm, only in that realm, could Moses provide for us in the future the opportunities of overcoming as he overcame, as he was not subject to those rules. And because he was not subject to the rules, he overcame. All right, then the verse goes on to say, And after this discussion that Jacob had with Joseph about uh, about him promising Joseph, uh, Jacob that he would not be buried in Egypt, he would take him back to Israel. The word comes to Joseph that his father is ill and takes his two sons. He takes his two sons and we then have the familiar blessing, blessing meaning, of course, the method, the wording by which, by which we, in turn, hearing the blessing, <coughs> receive the, the direct connection to the etza, etza, etza dot, etza chayim, as he was subject. And here the Zohar says, What's it want to tell us over here? Joseph came and took his brothers. Obviously, we're not, as the Zohar constantly cautions us, not not reading this particular section in Vahi so we can hear a story. But lo Masha Asa Yosef. And don't make any mistake that when it discusses here, and this is the affirmation, when it discusses that Joseph comes and he's going to have now, uh, he's going to ask uh, Jacob to please bless uh, his children and so on, says this all clearly. The verse did not come to let us hear what happened here with Joseph and his children. But every word, every word here in this parasha is coming to tell and enlighten Joseph. We, in 1993, what will take place in the future? Shekol elu yil l'sof aminyan shenimna da'ayn l'sof shesh alafim. First of all, isn't it unfair? He calls Joseph. He's going to bless Joseph privately, individually, and his two sons. And so on. Says the Zohar, no. Joseph, as we know, is the sixth Sfira. Sixth Sfira. And therefore says the Zohar, when it was written, 2,000 years ago. And the Jews, the sons, the other sons knew that the ultimate, the ultimate redemption would come at the end of 6,000 years. How do we know? 
How do we know that? That's when it ends. How do we know? We're told. 6,000 years. But here, says the Zohar, is the indication that this exile, what does exile mean? Not everyone is in exile. Many people who feel living in the United States is not living in exile. There's freedom. For those who have freedom of want, freedom of, of anything, and have all the, all the blessings that can be bestowed upon them. Do they feel in exile? The answer is no. What about Jews who live in Israel? Consequently, they do not feel the exile. Don't go there and find out, because I can assure you that if, if there's a little hell on earth, you can find it in Israel. So, the exile, the concept of exile or redemption, is not referring to a state of being in Israel or not being in Israel, but rather, it is an individualistic idea of being in exile or being redeemed. Either you're connected to the Eitzhadat, then you're in exile. If you're connected to Eitzhachayim, you're in, you're not in exile. You are redeemed. What does it mean, redeemed? You have been redeemed. You've been taken out, like Pidyon Aben. We take the child out of the realm of Mavet, as the Zohar explained, out of the realm of death, and bring him into the realm of life. That is what redemption means, not some religious terminology of God will redeem us. Redeeming means we move out. We remove. When we redeem something, you have a coupon. You redeem the coupon. Is that the expression? Well, what, what is happening? You're going out of exile? Why did, why do they use the word redemption? Then they do use the word redeem. Redeem means what? There is an exchange. An exchange of something at the, pre- for the, at the present for something in the future. Something which generally means something better. That's, that's what the word or the connection of redemption has to, to whatever event is taking place. So, this little event here is bringing us, when we hear this reading on Shabbat, is bringing us to what? To the end of the 6,000 years. In other words, we have an opportunity here to bypass, to bypass, if we have this consciousness, to bypass all of the physical events that have already been included in our personal cassette, the physical events that we must, we must go through because of cleansing processes of prior incarnations or for some of the evil doing that we may have incurred in this present lifetime. All of these necessary cleansings which is called the period of exile. The period of where there is no control over over the events of the Etzadah, over the events of havoc and disaster, troubles as we know it. But what he did here in this little section, says the Zohar, and why he called Yosef, there was a quantum leap right to the end. The end is always good. The end is always good. What is called the end? What is the end? That means when a person reaches 98 or 120, it'll be good. Not necessarily. Why? Because for him, the end might be another incarnation. And so it's still a continuing, ongoing process of cleansing. So to be certain that at the end, at the end, uh, things will be good because 
That is the cardinal rule. When someone has completed all of its purifications, he comes to a place where there is no havoc, where there isn't the individual misfortunes that each one is, has been afflicted with. No. We, we can take a quantum leap and, and jump right over these, these events of the cassette that we all must weave ourselves through. And therefore he called Joseph, not to tell us a story, says the Zohar, about Joseph coming to get the blessing. But by connecting to this blessing, which is the blessing for Joseph, gives us an opportunity to make a giant leap over the events of tomorrow and the next day, if Chas Shalom, for us personally, they might spell out disaster. Disaster, again, disaster is, and havoc are within the realms of, of, of illusionary time. Person goes bankrupt. Does it mean he's finished? Everyone has gone bankrupt? Never recovered? Of course not. Everyone who became ill didn't recover? Of course not. Everyone who went through, uh, marital problems or, 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 or family problems would, would seem to have come to an end. Does that mean his happiness came to an end? Or this might have been one of the stages that the individual goes through to achieve or arrive at an ultimate place in life called happiness. That ultimate place of happiness, wherever it is, is achieved at this moment. Because, says the Zohar, we're not discussing Joseph coming and, and, and a story that evolves around his, his approaching Jacob and saying, bless my two sons. Talking about making a quantum leap. Quantum leap. Now I know how difficult that is. You might say, well, I'm going to, I'm going to come to the synagogue on Shabbat and I will have this consciousness because it will be repeated by Moshe again. And he's going to repeat. Now as we come to this section, remember, we could take a giant step forward. Not, no, leap. Giant leap. Not forward. Because as you go forward, so you might go fast forward, but each time you gotta to touch those, those, those miserable moments along the way. Who wants that, right? So we must use the word a quantum leap. Going to the 6,000th year. At that period, everyone, if someone has a cancer, a malignant cancer, that the doctor says, you've got another three days to go. And that'll be three, that'll be two days before the end. Bet on it. Take all the wages. This person will not die. Why? Because he's come to the place, the end, where the illusion of havoc and disorder, illness, no longer exists. At the end, we know the, the last day of, of the 6,000 years. We're now 5,000, the 5,000 year of 5,753. How many more years is left? How many more years are left? 247. That's it. Now, if, if the lifespan in, is is uh, is extended to two hundred, now we're in again. We can speed that process. Trouble is, too many thousands of years has our minds been placed in the back seat. Minds are in the back burners. The bodies are are what goes forward. You know, that's the problem. We, we we don't make use of our minds. Don't make use of it. You might say, well, anyone's coming to the synagogue of Shabbat will hear Moshe 
say, now this is, this is what we can benefit here. You know how many, how many of us will be subject to Satan who's present and say, hey, wait a second, this is, this is dangerous business. They're trying to take away my work. I mean, I, I, I got, I, you know, I, I've got so much fulfillment as I see them weave, weaving through all these problems. All of a sudden comes so he says, hey, look, you know, it's like uh, E.T. up there, right? You didn't have to worry about, you know, the police coming from here to here and here and here and they were going to catch him on every road, right? He just took that leap and there he was. Out of reach. Satan, that's not Satan's job. He doesn't want to lose his, his wonderful players of the act that, that he performs in which he personally receives this kind of, of enjoyment and, and nourishment at the same time. So the reason why we have this story here and the blessing is the blessing of the ultimate, the blessing of the finale, and that we can take this leap right into the last moment, the last moment where the world of illusion, the world of uncertainty, the world of chaos comes to an end. And therefore it says, says the Zohar, and the Zohar continues, What does he want to say? You know, your father is ill. What does he want to say with that? Because Yosef is Mashiach. Because Yosef is what does it mean they came to tell him that your father is ill? Says the Zohar. Can't treat. Even that, that obvious, that obvious connotation that the communist tell him is, you know, his father is close to death. Says the Zohar. Don't even don't even <laughs> permit that expression to take hold. Unfortunately, when we hear it, we're, we're still associated. You know, that's the power of power of Satan. Even though we have this opportunity to take this leap on Shabbat, take notice of what I'm saying now. It's not going to be easy because we're going to read about Avichakole. Your father is ill. Why does it have to say that? Because it wants to, says the Zohar, associate the difficult times. The difficult times. Not Yaakov. Difficult times. The institution of Satan. The institution of Satan. Now remember, he wants this institution to keep going. On and on and on. Never ending. That is the function of Satan. And as we hear these words read, <laughs> your father is ill. Your father is ill. At that moment, the power of Avicha Chole will enter our consciousness. In the realm of the unconscious. We will hear. Even if you don't understand what Avicha Chole means, if you understand it, in a way it's even worse. That's where the idea of a little knowledge is worse than no knowledge at all. And I say, I've said this not 
not only since this message of scanning came to me, which has made the whole world crazy, literally, because 2,000 years you go into a synagogue, those who know how to read, know how to read. What happens with those who didn't know how to read? What did they do? They decided never to go to a synagogue, right? All of a sudden, you walk into any center around the world, people are going like this. What is it? People are going like that with their finger. He doesn't even know what an alabet is, right? He's going with his finger. Because he's making an eye connection with the world. He's revealing life. Revealing life. But he doesn't know what it says. So when, when someone who doesn't know Hebrew on, on Shabbat, he's going to read Ovicha Chola, he doesn't even know what it means. But what about the, the one who knows Hebrew? Could be caught up Ovicha Always the sickness in the world. The fact that, that we have created a consciousness that there are difficult conditions along the road. You have established what you know is. What you do not know does not exist. I am, so say philosophers, but it, that part is true without them understanding why. I am because I am. Why do I exist? A scientist says that today too. A chair is, exists, or I exist. Why? Because I know that I exist. If I do not see the chair, says the scientist, chair doesn't exist. The fact that we can read the one who can read that he's already connected to what? In sickness. He's connecting to the physical reality of chaos and disorder. Better. Better. That we didn't even know the translation of the word. However, better yet still is the expression that I know the word and I say, but I'm going to control that you do not exist. As Yaakov did in Egypt. For Yaakov to say, here's the blessing and here's the future and I give you, there would be no control over Satan. You've got to take Satan by the, by the, by the tail and say, I'm going to control you. <laughs> but if there is no Satan to control, there is no total control. That's why Yaakov and Moshe had to be in Egypt to take control of Satan because that is the habitat. That's where not only the habitat of Satan, but all future Satans, all future chaos that is yet pending in the future is, 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 is being taken over right here. So, am I negating the idea that we should not know what Avicha Cholet means? We should not connect? Of course, but beware. There's the danger. What happened when Jacob wrestled with the, with the, uh, with the angel? Got dirty. Got dirty. You play in mud, you get dirty. Right? But it's the only way. It's the only way. Because for the moment, he's escaped the presence. But you haven't taken him. That's what, that's what the, uh, the, when the Satan came to, uh, to God, he says, listen, this guy here, when he's Shimon Bayuhai, you gotta get rid of him. He said, well, what's the problem? He says, I have no, nowhere else that I can hide from him. Wherever I am, he, he seeks me out and finds me and takes control over me. And what, what's my purpose here? Either you take him out of this world, or you take me out of this world. Both of us cannot coexist just to know where Rabbi Shimon was. There was nothing 
that Rabbi Shimon could not, could not just turn control. That's, that's who we're talking about when we speak of Rabbi Shimon. That's what Yaakov and Moshe needed. That's when it's by he. By he is not when you run up on a mountain retreat for a couple of days and relax and so on. And up there, you still have memories of the troubles you just ran away from. Right? But they say, forget about your troubles while you're up there. And what does that mean? And when you come back, it's all disappeared, right? Never. Only place it can disappear is when you're inside that mud. When you're inside the mud, only then can you be a leader. Only then can you be a ruler. A ruler. And a ruler is every single person. Only then, when you're in that mud, because that mud doesn't disappear because you have taken a vacation. You must have constant control. And that's why, says the Zohar, just to associate, just to associate, to give us the opportunity not to tell us a story about Joseph, about, about Joseph requesting from his father. And then we can understand when it says, and, and, uh, what happened before that? He goes on to tell him He says, and now your two sons your two sons that were born to you here in Egypt before I came to Egypt they shall be Lehem Ephraimum Nashekirubem Mishimon First of all Reading this story superficially, one might say, well, that's a little unfair. What about the other children who also had children? And what about the other sons of Jacob? Didn't they have children? Why does, why does Jacob single out these two grandchildren? Say, you, these two grandchildren, Ephraim and Menashe, these two grandchildren, they will become part of the twelve tribes. These two will replace, as subsequently they did, they replaced Levi and they and replaced Joseph. Why these two? Because these two, said Yaakov, were born in Egypt before I came down. Were born in Egypt. They shall be, they shall be part of what? Considered my twelve sons. Part of the twelve categories. Why these two? Zora asked that question. Says the Zohar. Zeo Yisrael lamata shimekomam begalut. And we said Israel, Yaakov, is in the upper realm. Cannot be touched by Satan. Anyone reaching Etzachayim, forget. Satan has no hold. But that's not what the Pasha came to tell us about the greatness of Yaakov and, and the uh, upper elevations that uh, Moshe and, and, and Yaakov and Yosef achieved. No. It's here for us. This whole reading is only here for us. It is not to discuss 
or provide us with a recording of history. But rather, these two, and the verse says that, you know why they're going to be included? You know why? Because these two were born in the mud. These two were born where Satan originated. Look what, look, look what the Torah was. Look what the opportunities that, that if we don't read the Zohar, we don't even know. How do you extricate yourself from problems? How do you get away from it? Oh, I know. There are those of us maybe here or not here, but when I can, I can give them guarantees and sometimes they tell me, eh, throw them out of bone for a guarantee. I want you to know. There are very few takers, right? Very few takers. Who takers? Who doesn't want financial security? Who doesn't want removal of illness? Is there anyone in the world who would say no to the to such a suggestion? The answer is no one would ever say no. But to the one that that this reading can provide, which Rabbi Shimon says will provide. You haven't got the merit. I see it every day. Whatever reason. Valid reasons. They can't show up. I say they can't show up. Irrespective of my even suggesting, you know, this might help. It, it, it is there. But that doesn't mean that every one of us will always be there to take advantage. But know it's there. If at his very minimum that I, I what I've done with you today or or taught you today was the idea that in this document, that scroll, and that's why it was given on Mount Sinai, has the purification, has the elimination of the world of Eitzhatan. It contains It's there. But that doesn't necessarily mean that Satan cannot put a few stumbling blocks along the way and prevent us from making the connection. Even to the point, as I said, if there's going to be someone who reads Avicha Chole, he says, oh, the poor guy got sick. And you killed it right there. You killed it right there. That means you're in the synagogue, you're reading it, and you're connecting with what? With illness, right? Because you know what it means. And for the moment, you, you lose that consciousness and say, no, wait a second. The reason, as is always said, why it says, is to take takes illness by the tail and control it. That's why it says, not to be in, in, in that negative perspective of, oh, Jacob, Jacob was ill. <laughs> Get caught up in the words. Nothing more. You're caught up in the word. You lost your consciousness of control. It's like someone drowning in in, in business. Is he is he is he uh, is he adept to listening to new ideas? He says, "What are you talking about? The bank just called me. I got to run down to the bank, plead with them to extend my loan or another couple of days so I can handle it." Said, but I got the answer for you. Very few people will listen to the answer. Very few. Right now, he's got. He's got this pressure on him. This is what, this is what at the same time in this Pasha, says the Zohar, while it's providing us with a, a leap over our own individual cassettes, an opportunity 
an opportunity that comes only once a year, according to the Zohar. It comes only once a year. And all of the 12 blessings and everything, everything that this Pasha contained, just just hurriedly, I want to... Anyway, so he says, These two sons were born outside of Israel, amongst the nations of the world. The disbursement, the exiles. They were born outside the protection. For those of us who are outside of protection in any given manner. Now these two, although that's where they are, they will be considered and can be considered within the confines <coughs> of my protection. He wasn't just choosing two, two sons, two grandchildren, favoring, as, as most people when they read this particular section, say, but that's unfair, taking these two particular children, grandchildren over the others. These two, it's, he says clearly because they, they have Satan, Bina'amin, amongst the nations of the world, exile. I mean, you can live in the United States and not be subject to an exile. He wasn't talking about exile from the point of view of, uh, of a government uh, placing us into exile. The problems, the problems. Israel is not a land. You could be in Israel and be full of problems. The land is not what determines freedom. But rather, the removal of the dominion of Satan over our lives is what is what the, the Pasuk here is talking about. And so he brought him into this confine of control. The same way as when he's going to shortly bless his children. And it says clearly, it says clearly, Vayikra Yosef el and Yaakov el and Yaakov assembles in, in chapter 49 all of the children, Vayoma, and he says, this is so clear, says the Zohar, He asvu vagida lachem et ashe yikra etchem ba'achrit ayamim. Gather around me. I want to tell you all that will ever take place in the days to come. Everything. And come and gather and listen to my words. Listen to the words of Israel, your father. Now what happens? He blesses each son. Not telling them what the events are going to be. Contradicts. Here he says very clearly that he wants to tell them. Wants to tell them that which will occur in the future. And goes on to bless them, says the Zohar. And if he told them everything that was going to happen, now we know the doctor says, malignant, shalom. Prognosis, everyone knows, right? But what can you do about it? Just surgery. And we'll hope. What caused it in the first place? Oh, I don't know. I mean, so why would you assume 
that when when this this malignancy began, where did it come from? Are you cutting away from where it came from? <laughs> what are you a question you're asking me? Do I know where it came from? How can I cut out something I don't know? I've never seen. I can I can only tell how it became manifested. So he knows the prognosis. He knows everything. He knows the whole future. Only one item he doesn't know. One item he's still not sure about. Did he eliminate the cause by the removal of the of that? The answer is no. So now the person knows the future. Now what? That's what Pasha Baihi is about. He said, I want to talk to you about the future. But everything that will happen in the future, and it makes no difference what the future is, has a story. You know what, what the future of chaos means? One, it affects it. One this way, another, another way. But that's not what the Torah is about, says the Zohar. I'm here to give you the remedy. I'm here to give you the opportunity to change all of this. And that's why when he goes on to the blessings, and the, the expression blessing in disguise, yes, it was a blessing in disguise, but not, not like we understand it to mean a blessing, but it's disguised in every single word. In the, what we consider to be blessing, it doesn't even say that he's going to give him a blessing. No mention here that, that Yaakov is going to bless his children. But when you read it, well, what, you know, what is he doing here? He's giving him a blessing. Sometimes he doesn't even give him a blessing. Here he's cursing. Here he's cursing the anger of Shimon and Levi. If you remember what Shimon and Levi did, destroyed the entire city, all male population of Shechem, of Nablus. And he's reminding him, is that called a blessing? And yet, if you look into your English or Persian or French translation, that's the way they're discussing this Pasha. He gave him the blessing. But he didn't, he didn't gather them to give him a blessing. It doesn't even say that. And yet, in the, in the absence of, of a Zohar, well, how else do you translate it? What else, what else is this? What is the connection? And the answer is remedy. The remedy. The rem- remedy of today until the end of our days is right here. Yes, Hashem. We'll take these quantum leaps and cut out a lot of the cassettes and bring tomorrow or 247 years hence to today. Amen. Uh, of healing yes. when he himself is sick. Yes. Why did he heal himself first? Good observation. Nobody else. Good observation, right? It's not been told uh, it's not been told of Parashat that explained that about the elimination of uh, the negativity on the year of 5760. Isn't it? So it means that it's only seven years from now, even less than seven years from now. Right. So what is that need to do with Canada and, and uh, in case some of the people here forgot about that, so at least that we know he says that remember, the closer we get, Avram Azulai is closer than Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Shimon speaks 
in one turn. And then we know that Mashiach could have come on many occasions. The Ari could have brought Mashiach, but it, it didn't work out. It didn't work out. Now Avraham Azulai is closer, and he is not even giving any stipulations like the Ari. The Ari had every time there was there were conditions. Tanaim, always Tanaim. When Avraham Azulai wrote what he wrote, he wrote it without any uh, any any conditions. But still, it can be based on that. I mean, that but he's That's speaking in the six thousand year. That's why it's Yosef. So it doesn't it it, it coincides with the with the Zohar.